me. First Kings chapter three. Would you find it? First Kings chapter three. And um, oh, what a blessing that music was. Look forward to hearing that every night. I love that song. Pass me not, O gentle sir. What a great song. What a great song. I love invitation songs. I had a playlist one time on my phone and it was nothing but invitation hymns. I, I just, I like it. First Kings chapter three. In verse number one, the Bible said that Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. You know the story of King Solomon as the third king of Israel. God has already told David that it would be this son who would succeed him on the throne. Solomon was already a wise man. He's a man that loves God. He has the favor of God on his life. He'll have 40 years of peace and prosperity. He'll be a great builder. He's the man that God chooses to allow to build that first temple in Jerusalem. And God was pleased with Solomon. In verse number five, God makes a offer or a promise to Solomon that very few men received. I call it a blank check. God says, Solomon, you ask what I should give thee. That's a blank check. You ask anything that you want and I'll give it to you. Some time ago, I preached in our church on the blank checks in the Bible. There's a number of them. I believe that Abraham offered Lot a blank check when he said, here's the land before you. You choose whichever one you want and whatever you choose, I'll honor that. Amen. Whatever decision that you make, I promise you that you can have that and I will take the other. And Lot took that blank check and he made a disastrous choice is what he did. I believe that over in the book of Numbers that Balaam, that false prophet, was offered a blank check by Balak, the king of Moab. Yes. Balak wanted him to curse the children of Israel and Every time that he tried to do it, God wouldn't let him. And so Balak said, he said, I, I, I will promote thee under very great honor. I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me, only curse me this people. And Balaam desperately wanted that blank check. And so he taught Balak how to get his people to marry the children of Israel so that God would curse them. And Balaam got to cast the blank check, but it ended up, costing him his life. Yes. Over in 2 Kings chapter 1, we may preach on that this week, but Elijah is getting ready to leave his mantle with Elisha. And he tells him, he says, ask what I should do for thee before I be taken away. So to the young man, ask me what you want and I'll do it. 
And Elisha took that blank check and he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I, I want the power of God on my life. And God granted it to him. You come to the New Testament, Herodias' daughter, Salome, dances before those lewd men. And Herod, in a drunken stupor, promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she asked. That despicable daughter went to her wicked mother and she cashed that blank check by asking for the head of John the Baptist. So there's a number of blank checks in the Bible. There's two or three and I'll let you find them on your own. But Solomon is given a blank check from God. And you know that he uses that blank check to ask the Lord for wisdom. and God grants him that request. In fact, in this very chapter, there is a demonstration of the wisdom that God gave to Solomon. The two women come to Solomon and there is a dispute over whose baby belongs to whom. And we get an example of the kind of wisdom that Solomon was given. He could have asked God for a lot of things, but he asked for a wise thing when he said, I need wisdom to run this kingdom. And in the opening chapters of the life of Solomon, there is great promise. In the verses that I have read to you, we read where he offered a thousand sacrifices on an altar. Surely this is a man with great devotion to the Lord. In the verses that we have read, he follows the statutes of David, his father. Surely this is a man who is devoted to the word of the Lord. In the verses that I have read, it says that he builds the temple. Surely this is a man that is devoted to the worship of God. He's going to be a great king. He has 40 years of peace and prosperity and his reign really becomes a type of the millennial reign of Christ. However, Solomon was not perfect. I am preaching right now on Sunday nights on our church through the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon gets away from the Lord. For 15 years, he chases after the world and he chases after the wind and, and just a year or two before he dies, he comes back to God realizes how vain and foolish it was and writes the book of Ecclesiastes. And I believe that right at the beginning of his reign as king, I believe that God puts a red flag there, a warning sign that everything is not right in Solomon's heart. I find that in verse number three. Well, the Bible says that Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Catch this. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. That only is a warning. It tells us that there is something lurking in his heart that is not right. There is a weakness there. There is a soft spot there. That there is an opening for the devil to exploit. He has so many things right he loves the Lord. He builds a great temple. He walks after his father David. He offers a thousand sacrifices, but only, but only. I believe that sitting in our Baptist churches all over America are Christians who would say, preacher, I'm more committed than most. And I come to church every time that the doors are open. And I am faithful in my time. And I read my Bible every day. And I sing in the choir. And I pass out tracts more than most. I am more diligent. 
I am more separated. I am more spiritual than most. I know that there is that one thing. I know there is that one area that is not surrendered. But with everything else that I have right, surely God will understand. I say to you tonight on the opening night of revival that that only in your life is the gateway to more sin. It is the gateway to more wayward living. It is the gateway to more compromise. And here's what God wants from you. If you have any semblance of revival in your heart this week, here's what he wants. He wants the only in your life. I believe that we become experts at comparing ourselves with one another. And I have found that I can make myself feel real spiritual if I pick somebody who doesn't have it quite together. That family that never comes to church on Wednesday, but I'm always here for a prayer meeting. That man probably never reads his Bible. I've got 10 chapters a day down every day. I know that they probably go to the movies. I would never be found in the movie house. But God never told you to compare yourself to somebody else because when did how somebody else lives have any bearing on how I live? The standard, the standard tonight is not someone that you can pick out just a little bit below you, but the standard is the word of God. And when God, when God points out the only in your life, nothing else matters. You see, God has a way of when he zeroes in on that unsurrendered, unconsecrated area of your life, God has a way of not letting it go. He has a way of keep bringing up over and over and over again and he'll not let you be satisfied with your spirituality as long as you resist the onlys in your life. Suppose, suppose you men go to your wife tonight after the service and you say, um, you say, honey, did, did you like the flowers that I sent you this week? And she says, yes, dear, the, the flowers were very nice. And you say, honey, did, 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 you, did you appreciate how that this week I, I helped you pick up the house and, and wash the dishes? And she said, well, yes, dear, that, that was very sweet of you. I, I appreciate that. And, and honey, did, did you appreciate last week when I took you out to dinner, that real nice restaurant, and we had a night out? Well, well yes, dear, I, I enjoyed that. That was very nice. Well, with everything that I have done, and with all the nice things that I have been doing with the flowers and the dishes and the dinner, then surely you will not mind if tomorrow night I step out to town with another woman for just a little rendezvous. There's not a woman in this building that would say, yeah, that's okay. No, 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 no. Because 100 good things doesn't give you the right to do one bad thing. Just because, just because you're faithful in 50 areas doesn't mean that you have the right to be unfaithful in one area. It, it, marriage doesn't work on a merit and a demerit system. No, you get to do all of those things and be faithful too. Then why do you think that you can bargain with God that way? God, God, do you like that I read my Bible this week? And God, do you like that I was in all three services yesterday in church? And God, do you like that I gave a track to that lady at, at the restaurant the other day? And God, do you like that I come out on visitation? And, and God, do you like that I go to the nursing home? And God, do you like that I put a little bit of money in the offering plate? 
Then, then with all of those things, with all of those things, then, then surely you don't mind if I harbor a little bitterness in my heart. I mean, with all of the things that I do have downright, then surely it's not a big deal if I go against my parents' wishes and date that boy that they don't approve of. With how much better I am than the person across the aisle, then surely it doesn't matter if I listen to a little pop or a little country music here because I got everything else right. You see, you see, it's only one thing. It, it is only one area that is not right, but with everything else that is right, then surely I'm okay with that. I, I, I am praying, and I prayed this, this today coming up. I am praying that God gives us revival this week. And revival means different things to different people. And, and I, don't have, I don't have a set of favorite sermons that I preach to every meeting that I go to. I, I pray, God, give me the message for this church, for this time, because I don't know what you need, but I trust that God does. And I'm not here tonight to entertain you, and I know that you're not here to be entertained. I really want to hear from God. And it is my prayer tonight that every heart gets touched and that we hear from heaven and maybe there are altars fall, but if only one person gets only one thing right, it will be worth the trip. If you hear the voice of God and he speaks to you about one thing in your life and you give that one thing to God and it improves your walk with God, then it is worth the trip is what it is. But listen, me being a preacher doesn't give me the right to cheat on my income taxes. You singing in the choir doesn't give you the right to throw pots and pans at the house. Right? You teaching a Sunday school class doesn't give you the right to skip church on vacation. I know you may never do that, but, but I'm just saying. Huh? I mean, and the Bible says we're to be blameless. And blameless isn't sinless, but, but to be consistent and, and to be faithful. Bishops are to be blameless and deacons are to be blameless and widows are to be blameless. I'm getting that. We all ought to be blameless. And God doesn't give you an out in one area because you have so many other areas right. Now, now here's, here's what the Bible says in verse three. It says that Solomon loved the Lord. It doesn't say that he said he did. It doesn't say that he just paid lip service to it. He doesn't say that he pretended. No, I'm telling you that he really loved the Lord. And Solomon is sincere when he offers a thousand sacrifices. Solomon is sincere when he prays for wisdom. This man really, really loves God. But that only in his life is going to be the thing that takes him away from the Lord that he really does love. I have no doubt tonight that as a member of Bible Baptist Church that you really love the Lord. I don't believe that you're faking it when you sing and when you pray and when you shout and when you rejoice and come to the altar. It's not a game to you. Some of you thought when he announced revival, good grief, another revival. Some of you were actually excited. I, I really don't want to come to church on a Monday night. And in your heart, you say it's not pretend, it's real. I really love the Lord. But that one thing, that one thing that you won't let go of, that evil spirit that you keep nursing, that one area of separation that you won't submit to, that one person that you won't forgive, that is the thing that will take you away from the Lord that you really do love. Being right in so many areas does not give you a right to be wrong in another area. Just because you love the Lord, it doesn't give you an excuse to love the world too. Now let me show you the progression. Look at verse number one. Here's the progression. The first, the first step is that Solomon had an affinity with the world. 
Look at verse 1. Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The word affinity means attraction to or an agreement with. Kindred spirit, a a, a sympathy for, a, a friendship with. And the first only in Solomon's life is he has an affinity with the world. He has some tie in with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He admires something in him. He has an unhealthy respect for a godless king and a defiled land. I don't know what it was, but I think I know. I know that Solomon loved horses. And I know that they exported all those horses out of Egypt. And it could have been Solomon's love for horses. Maybe that is the tie. I don't know. But Solomon has an affinity and attraction to the world. And maybe tonight, sitting here this morning, tonight, maybe the only in your life is that you have a secret crush on the world. Egypt is always a picture of the world in the Bible. And the Bible says we're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. But maybe the world has you locked in somehow. Maybe there is a hook that has you tied to the world. And it doesn't say that Pharaoh had an affinity with Solomon because the world is not in love with your Christianity. How sad it is when a Christian is in love with the world that doesn't love him in return. Now, now please understand, Solomon has not quit on God. Solomon has not begun to worship at the altar of Baal. Solomon has has not said, I don't have anything to do with Jehovah God. No, he just likes the world. He thinks that Egypt has a redeeming value. He admires Pharaoh and wishes that he could be more like him. And I, I I wonder tonight, I wonder if you have an affinity with the world. Maybe, maybe it is the music of the world. Maybe you like the rock and roll. You love the choir on Sunday, but a little Elvis on Monday. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe, maybe you like a little twang. Maybe it's the country and western. And you're careful to hide it. I mean, you you would never play it with the preachers in the car. But the only in your life is in those earphones. Maybe it's the music of the world. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is the movies that the world produces. And now it's so wonderful because you don't have to go to the movie theater. You don't have to go to the video store. Now you can just rent it right there on your TV. And you got HBO and Cinemax and Movie On Demand and all of that. Boy, it's just right there. And so now, so now you can just sit in your living room and you can get all of the cursing and all of the liquor and all of the adultery and all the fornication and all the swearing and all the nakedness and all the blasphemy just right there in your living room. Oh, come on, preacher, with everything that I'm doing right, with my standards and being in church, then surely I'm okay with a little blasphemy every once in a while. But I say that until you get that only out of your life, until you get that out of your Christianity, until you get that away from your family, until you get out of your home, that which the devil uses, I'm telling you, he's going to crack that door open just a little bit wider. 
maybe it is the materialism of the world. You just just love the fashion of the world. The tight, the low, the short, the revealing, the see-through. If if the Hollywood star, and I gotta be careful, not my church, I gotta be careful. If the Hollywood star gets his haircut with a zig and a zag, then all the boys go and get their haircut with a zig and a zag. If, if the rock star puts a feather in his hair, then all the teenage girls go down and put a feather in their hair. If the world go gets a tattoo, you can't wait to go down and get a tattoo yourself. You're not, you're not immoral. You're not getting drunk. You're not, you're not going out and, and getting high on marijuana. You, you just like how the world does things. You like how they look. You like how they are. They're just cool. I'm not questioning if you love the Lord. But I'm wondering if you have an affinity to the world. He has an affinity to the world. Secondly, he has an attraction to a woman. Look at verse 1. Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. The thing about having an only is that it never stops there. If Satan can get you to compromise in one area of your life, he's not content to stop. He's going to get you to do two. One thing always leads to two always leads to three. And Solomon starts palling around with Pharaoh and he notices that she has a, he has a daughter. Solomon already has a problem with lust and he notices that she is a beautiful daughter and it would have been good if Solomon would have never met her. It would have been good if Solomon would have never known that Pharaoh has a daughter. But he notices her, he desires her, and he probably starts making excuses to go down to Egypt more to see her. Hey, Solomon, does she love the Lord? Solomon, does she even worship the same God that you worship? Solomon, is she the will of God in your life? I, I preached last night on dating in our church, all right? And I'm against it, but, but, I, but that's in my church. And, 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 and isn't it strange, isn't it strange that, that some teenager can have a list of all the standards and the requirements that a mate must have and then he sees a woman? And all those standards go out the window. Well, I, I think that I can be a spiritual influence on her. I mean, I, I think she may be a Christian, but we haven't talked about that yet. Well, why not? Talk about it. Bring it up. Ask the question. Amen. Make it an issue. What what, what are you afraid of? You've you've never seen that young man read his Bible. You've never heard him pray. You've never seen him on the altar. He doesn't really seem to be interested in church, but you think he's the one because he's cute and because he's got muscles. I'm telling you that Solomon loves the Lord. He really loves the Lord, but he is attracted to a woman that is not God's will for his life. I've seen it too many times. I've seen young people that grow up in a Christian home and and go to a Christian school and they have a great church and they are on their way to being a productive Christian. And about their junior year or their senior year, they meet somebody that doesn't go to the same church. 
Doesn't have the same standards, doesn't use the same Bible, doesn't believe the same things. And that boy, that boy, he's just a little too slick, just a little too slimy, just a little bit too greasy. That girl, that girl, she's just a little bit too floozy, just a little too flirty, just a little bit too loose, just a little bit too sensual. And that godly mother says, I don't think he is for you. I don't think that you ought to hang around her. And I have watched them throw away church and throw away their youth group and throw, throw away the Bible and throw away mom and dad for that greasy, slimy boyfriend. But why, why would they ever go for somebody like that? I'll tell you why. That's not the only, only in their life. Because in their heart, they have an affinity for that world. And that slimy boy is a personification of what they want to be. That affinity becomes an attraction. Solomon knew that she worships the gods of Egypt. Solomon knew that her religion threw babies to the crocodile gods in the Nile. Solomon knows that she doesn't believe in Jehovah God. And I bet you know too. I, 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 bet, I bet you don't even have to ask. I bet you already know. I bet God has already convicted you of that friend on Facebook. I bet God has already convicted you of that friend that you meet after work. I bet God has already convicted you of that old flame that you've rekindled that relationship with. I bet you don't even need a sermon. I bet you don't even need a chapter and verse. Solomon, you know, you know. I'll show you a passage of scripture. Hold your finger right here. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Are we okay tonight? Deuteronomy chapter 21. Let me help you guys with something tonight, all right? And I'll get, I'll get off of this. Deuteronomy 21, look at verse number 10. I love this passage. When thou goest forth to war against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands, and thou hast taken them captive, and seest among the captives a beautiful woman, and hast a desire unto her that thou wouldest have her to thy wife. Then thou shalt bring her home in thine house, and she shall shave her head and pare her nails. And she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off her, and shall remain in thy house, and bewail her father and her mother a full month. And after that, thou shalt go in unto her, and be her husband, and she shall be thy wife. God knew that when those young Israeli men went off to battle and see beautiful women, and that's happened a lot. Men have gone off to war and came back with a wife. And he knew they're going to want to bring these heathen women home with them. And so God says, here's the requirements that you have. You bring her home, cut all her hair off. Cut off all the fancy fingernails. Make her dress in very drab clothing. Nothing fancy, nothing pretty. And let her sit around the house all day crying for mama and daddy. Now after she has sat in the house with a shaved head, no long fingernails, nothing pretty, nothing colorful, and crying and wailing and moaning, after 30 days, if you still want her, go ahead. I told our young men last night, I, I said, fellas, you better make sure that you're not in love with mascara and long eyelashes and short skirts. There better be some substance and some spirituality there. Solomon loves God and I believe that you love God as well. I tell you, I tell you, you say, look at what God's done in my life. Look at how I'm in church. Look at all the good things. It is only, it is only an attraction. An affinity for the world 
is an attraction to a woman. In verse number three, there's an alteration to the word. Look at verse three. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Here it is. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Now, now, let, me, let me explain this to you. Hold your finger right here. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Let me show you what is wrong with this. Deuteronomy 12, look at verse number 1. These are the statutes and the judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land, which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess served their gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire. And ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God. Moses gave the children of Israel some guidelines for when they would come into the land. One of those instructions has to do with the place of worship. Now, David had been king for 40 years and 33 of those years he had been in Jerusalem. So for 33 years, the place to worship had been in Jerusalem. That is the only thing that Solomon had known. But now what Solomon is going to do is he is going to worship in high places. Here's what a high place is. It is a grove of trees. Some are on a hill, somewhere up in a mountain. Somebody has planted a little grove and they would go up there and they would put idols up there and they would put statutes to different gods up there. It's not Jerusalem. It is not dedicated to God. It is not consecrated to God. And God makes it clear back in Deuteronomy chapter 12 that you don't worship me in those places. You see, God's not just interested in who you worship, but in how you worship and where you worship. Don't go to their groves. Don't bow down to their idols. Don't listen to their music. Don't use their incense. You don't worship me there. Solomon, 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 what are you doing in the high places? Well, it's just a little different. It's just a little change. It's almost the same. It's kind of like Jerusalem. It's kind of like we do what we do in our own worship. But God said, no. You don't use those practices. You don't use those methods to worship me. Now Solomon has the word of God on how to worship and he is worshiping, offering a thousand sacrifices, but I'm gonna change it just a little bit. I wonder who took him to the high place. I wonder if the daughter of Pharaoh had anything to do with that. Huh? Why, why do you always have to go to Jerusalem to worship? Why, why don't you come Sunday to our church? Why don't you just try it one time? You might like it. Why don't you just come to one of our high places? I mean, can't you worship God anywhere? I mean, really, what does it matter? Just, just, just come and try. You, you might like it. We have the spirit there. And I already know that Solomon's wife turns his heart away from God. They put the pressure on him. They put the screws to him. And they made him feel bad because he's different. Yeah. They, 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 they harped on how stubborn he is to do it the way that we have always done it. I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you have an affinity and an affection to the world, I'm going to tell you the next step. Your love affair with the world must change your way of worship. You cannot keep it the same. 
you'll either have to break the world or you'll have to break with worship. But I'm telling you that it is going to come together and it will be compatible. And you can't ride that fence forever. So either the world has to go or the worship has to go. Why, why do we have to always sing those old hymns all the time? Why can't we have a traditional service and a contemporary service? And why does he have to preach so loud and so long and so hard and so mean? Why can't we do it like the church down the road? Why don't we do, why don't we do it like they? You, you want to worship God because you love God, but what, what it is is you want to worship him in the high places. I mean, does it doesn't really matter if it's King James or English Standard Version. I mean, it doesn't matter. And really, must we always be preaching standards? And what does it matter if it's fleshly and sensual and carnal and worldly? And it may not be a big deal to you, but I'm telling you, it is a big deal to God. And we, we are getting a generation of Christians in our independent Baptist churches and they don't care like the older ones cared. And what our fathers fought against, this new generation is embracing. Whoever thought that one day there would be rock bands on the platform of Baptist churches? Who would have ever thought that you'd have dancing girls on the platform of a church? Whoever thought that you'd have a smoke machine and strobe lights in a, in a, in a church service? Oh, preacher, you're just a dinosaur. Then just let me die a dinosaur. But don't be afraid to be different. Don't be ashamed of holiness. Don't let an alteration of the word slip into your religion. Hold fast to the word of God and be a stickler. And we are going to do it the Bible way. He loved the Lord in his heart. He really loved God. And he was really sincere. I believe it grieved his heart when he sinned. I believe it bothered him when he began to wander and stray. I believe that he gladly offered these sacrifices. It's not a show, but only, only. When you have an affinity for the world, an attraction to someone you shouldn't have, when you begin to make alterations to the word, Here's what happens. It produces an apathy that continually gets worse. When you look at chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 11, almost done. 1 Kings chapter 11, look at verse number one. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Verse two of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, he shall not go into them. Neither they shall come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. Had 700 wives, princes, 300 concubines. His wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord as God. It was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians. After Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. Went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. 
And likewise did he offer all the strange wives which burn incense and sacrifice unto their gods. We're 30 years down the road from 1 Kings 3. Solomon never got that affinity for the world out of his heart. Solomon never got over that attraction to strange women. Solomon never acknowledged that he's tweaking the word of God to suit his ways. And I believe that when Solomon started down this path, he dreamed he'd never end up where he did. It is not overnight that Solomon goes from loving God to doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and sacrificing to other gods. And I wonder if somewhere Solomon began to think, this is not right. It's not the same. Me and God, we're not like we used to be. I miss the way that it once was. But after you ignore that for so long, it won't matter. His heart gets turned away from God. And now he's not even bothered by where he is. That affinity to the world is going to lead to an affection for the world. It would demand an alteration of the word. If it doesn't turn around, it becomes apathy. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Tonight in this good church, if tonight, if there is an only in your life and God has pointed to it, there's still hope. If tonight, if you can say, it's not like it used to be. Something's not right between me and God. I've lost that excitement. I've lost the touch. I've lost the tears. If you can say that tonight, there is still I wonder what your only is. Please understand, I, I didn't come tonight to beat you over the brow. I didn't come tonight to call you a dirty dog. I don't believe you are. I believe that you love God. I, I believe that you want holiness and you love the word of God. But all the Bible needs, all the devil needs is one only. And I wonder tonight if you love God enough to surrender that only to him. A young couple were house shopping. They found a house that they fell in love with. They went to the buyer. He's asking $10,000 more than they can afford. They tried to negotiate. He said, look, I know I can get the price. I'm not coming down. And for weeks, they kept coming back and back and back and trying to make a deal. And so finally, the owner said, he said, here's the deal I'll make with you. I'll sell I'll sell the um, house for the price you're asking, 10000 less. However, on the day of possession, you let me hang one nail on the doorway of the kitchen. I can hang anywhere, anything on that nail that I want to. They thought about it. They said, that can't be too bad. He said, now here's the deal. If you ever renege on the deal, I get the money back and I keep the house. They said, we'll do it. They made the contract. On the day they moved in, the owner comes in, he takes and he puts a nail on the doorway of the kitchen and he hangs a horseshoe on that nail. They said, that can't be too bad. It's kind of ugly. We can handle that. And for a month, that horseshoe hung on that nail. In 30 days, the owner comes back, knocks on the door, comes in the house. 
He has a dead skunk. He hangs that dead skunk on that nail. So what are you doing? You can't do that. He said, I most certainly can. That's the deal. I can hang anything on the nail that I want to hang. Within days, the house is not, it's not livable. Within weeks, it's filled with maggots and worms, and it's, it's ruined the entire house. And finally, they say, we can't stand this. And they give the house back. You love God. You've sacrificed. You live for Him. You read your Bible. And you want to do right. But you've given the devil one nail to hang whatever he wants to hang on that nail. And it's stinking up your life. And it's stinking up your Christianity. And it's stinking up your testimony. And it's stinking up your walk with God. And I wonder tonight, do you love God more than you love the only? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If God's speaking to your heart this morning tonight, would you step out right now? Would you step out right now? If you have any semblance of revival this week, you'll have to give God the only, the only. Would you come right now? Right now. Right now. Step out right now. Come. Come. To say, Lord, I love you more than that unforgiving spirit. I love you more than that thing that you have pointed to me time and time again. And I don't want that in my life anymore. I don't want it to stink up my life and my walk with you. And tonight I give you that only.